Welcome to Chaintech, the show and podcast focusing on the latest trends in supply chain, procurement, and logistic technology. My name is Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and together with my co-host and special guest, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in supply chain. From early stage to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help drive more innovative, agile, and resilient supply chain around the world. This is Chantech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Chantech. I'm your host, Max Henry, from the Global Supply Chain Council. Thanks again for joining us on this new episode of the show as we continue to host and interview some of the most interesting Chantech founders in Asia and discuss the rapid rise of supply chain logistics and procurement technology across the region. As we jump into today's conversation, I want to make sure that you are again aware and informed on the new Chaintech platform that we have recently launched, and you can check it out at chaintech.net. But you can also, and also you can find our previous episode uh, of the interviews on the chaintech.show website. Uh, so have a look and uh, listen to all those interviews that we have done. So today I'm joined by uh, um, a new uh, new guest, uh, Julien Brun, who is a managing partner at CEL and also the founder of SimCell. Welcome, Julien. How are you? Hey, Max. Uh, good, good, good. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, very well. All right. So let's get started. And we, you know, as you know, we always start with a little bit in, uh, of uh, background information about yourself. So t- t- take us, you know, let's start with your uh, previous life, your, your childhood, I would say, and tell us where you come from and, you know, what kind of uh, a child you were and the type of studies you had also. Okay. So back, a bit of background. Yeah. I'm, I'm a French engineer. I studied in, in France and started to work in, um, as a, as a mechanical engineer in the automotive and aeronautic industry. So I worked in, in Airbus, I worked in Peugeot, uh, in Europe, uh, UK and France mostly. And I got very quickly bored of the, you know, large corporation. As a young engineer, I was, I was finding that a bit slow. So I kind of took a, a step out uh, in the humanitarian uh, sector where I, I kind of landed in uh, in West Africa to uh, handle the distribution of foods, uh, food donations for refugee camps. So quite a different type of environment than I, I was uh, into. Uh, I was into planes and so on, but it got me a, a little bit more grounded to the reality of, of supply chains and, and logistics. Uh, from that, I kind of really enjoyed the the, the, the idea of living abroad and particularly in, in places where where things are. Or emerging, let's say, and I've landed by luck uh, somehow in Vietnam in 2005, just for a few months of, uh, of uh, expatriation, a few years, let's say, and I've, I'm still there uh, 18 years later. In the meantime, I became an entrepreneur and I've actually founded this, this company you mentioned called CEL, supply chain consulting and digital firm, and SimCell which is one of the uh, digital products we've developed. But I'm, I'm coming from, yeah, uh, from an engineering background. I'm a kind of a geeky person, uh, really much grounded into the reality of things. And supply chain is, is cool enough to get yourself into more scientific side of things. 
but also the ground realities that don't lie at all. So this this kind of environment uh, made me uh, made me excited for the last twenty years. Let's say. So when you got to Vietnam uh, eighteen years ago, did you actually found it CL uh, right away, or did you had uh, uh, some other working experience? I worked as a as a director, industrial director in a in a factory um, for a few months, and and very quickly got into a, a few few people told me that there's a need for you know lean implementation. I was very much into lean at the beginning, so lean implementation was was uh, the first uh, first. Uh, Express need from different uh, companies in, in Vietnam. So I actually went very quickly into a bit of a freelancing work, which became ultimately a, a consulting firm. But very, you know, a few months after coming here, I kind of saw the, the opportunities of entrepreneurship. And Vietnam is a, is a paradise for entrepreneurs. So I got into it uh, very quickly. Okay, so you've been advising clients for a number of years on supply chain and logistic optimization, uh, you know, with a focus on, on Vietnam. What did you, you know, why did you start at, uh, you know, SimCell as, you know, more focused on technology and IT solutions? Yeah. Yeah, Vietnam came out to be uh, the place where we started. It was a bit more easy to, to find uh, to find technical people, developers, and so on. So technology came out quite quickly into the, the picture. But uh, uh, Vietnam was was a bit of a play, playground, and, and actually, as we worked for more you know, MNC or large companies, we very quickly ended up to work in Indonesia, in the Philippines, uh, in Malaysia, in Thailand, and kind of regionalized very very quickly the. Uh, the scope of the business, and today we were reaching to Australia. Sometimes uh, we work in Africa again. I was pleased to, to come back to Nigeria a few a few months ago. Um, Brazil, Chile. So it came out to be you know, a starting point. Vietnam is still our, our base, um, but we kind of reach out into uh, into other horizons now. So tell, let's talk about SimCell. You know, in one sentence, mm-hmm. can you tell us what the uh, company is doing here? Okay, so just in a, a few words before uh, before explaining what SimCell is, what I'm, I'm, I want to to just uh, remind or, 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 or you know take a, take a bit of a broad view of supply chain. We see supply chain as a lot of operational complexity and so on. From my experience in two different companies, different sectors, different countries. I came across the realization that um, most of the inefficiencies in supply chain are more coordination problems than, than actual efficiency at a local level. So flows are not really well flowing nicely together. There's, there's, there's these classic uh, misalignments that, uh, that, that reflects, uh, are reflected in a lot of business. This uh, ended up to be a, a you know, a painful problem that are, this is quite difficult to, to uh, solve. So we came up with the idea of bringing up modeling to help resolve complex trade-offs, business trade-offs. Should we focus on, uh, on, on increasing our revenue or should we co- focus on maximizing our profit? Trade-off, profit, revenue. And that kind of, of trade-off were, were kind of high-level stuff, but very, very structuring for the, the actual 
supply chain itself. So modeling really was a tool that we initially uh, started in, in 2010 and developed as a, as a core expertise. Modeling supply chain was actually quite a quite something we, we went into early and using that for simulation. And simulation helps to answer what if question mostly or test different scenarios. And we use simulation to actually help our clients in a, on a consulting basis to, to resolve complex uh, strategic or tactical problems. And most of our clients asked us later uh, then uh, to themselves use simulation to answer those what if questions. Because these what if questions are pretty much uh, uh, everywhere and in every in every situation, every company, you always have a what if relating to your market. Did the market uh, collapse or boosts or whatever? And what if my supply chain gets some some disruption? This what if is is becoming more and more central to, to business business management. So we brought simulation into a SaaS solution to help answer what if questions in, in, in short. Uh, the, the beauty of it is that you can plan, you can test, uh, analyze risks, uh, you can test different uh, 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 marketing strategies to see whether you have enough capacity in supply chain to, to handle that. You can do a lot with simulation. And that's pretty much the heart of, of SimCell is you plan your business uh, with the support of simulation, testing demand and supply scenarios. If I kind of want to summarize what SimCell is. So right now, what kind of problem are you solving for your clients using, again, SimCell solutions here? So SimCell is, is as, as you would say now these days, uh, is, a, is a digital twin. So it, it kind of reflects the, the reality of your end-to-end -end supply chain into a virtual model. Um, so practically, there are, there are applications that relates to, uh, for example, IBP or SNOP, the classic SNOP process, which is basically uh, trying to handle demand supply type of, of trade-offs. Um, so it's uh, firstly used in this context, supporting IBP or SNOP processes on a cycle, on a recurring basis to find out what if we do a promotion on this uh, this SKU, what if we have a, a problem with this supplier? What if we have an issue with our um, storage capacity? So you can test what if scenario in the context of IDP and practically the outcome of a good uh, demand supply alignment in, a, in, a, in this context is profitability and, uh, and, um, and revenue. You would trade off your capacity to fulfill demand against your capacity to make more money. Uh, but we also introduced a new uh, dimension to the decision making, which is kind of important to us. Hopefully, will be important to, to corporate uh, in, a, in a later stage. Is carbon. So, out of this simulation, you also have the ability to monitor the carbon scenarios that uh, that reflects the, the, the operation of your business. So, you bring up uh, you know, financial performance information and carbon information up to decision level to uh, discuss different scenarios and define what the, uh, the, next, uh, the next step we need to execute, the next plan we need to execute. So carbon is also bringing up uh, a, new, a new sustainability angle to decision making, not just money. Uh, now we need also to bring that, that up to, to this trade-off. So, okay, that's, so that that's where we... 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of solutions. Uh, obviously, a number of companies are still using Excel for their SNOP and uh, for doing mm-hmm. some kind of simulation. Uh, are you competing with, you know, uh, Excel? And there are also a couple of other solutions and software tools, uh, you know, kind of enhancing and augmenting, uh, you know, SNOP and, and uh, IBP process. So uh, how, how do you compare? Compare with them, and you know what is your what is your sweet spot, you know, uh, against those kind of solutions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good point. Uh, Excel is all over the place, including in companies who, which have which are equipped of a, a so-called planning tool. Um, a lot of companies have a SAP APO, for example, or uh, or uh, an Aplan or things like that. So you you have those tools that are uh, supposed to do. The, the planning job. The reality, and I'm not judging here, is that most uh, people, even though they have these tools uh, implemented, they still use Excel. Why they use Excel? Because those tools are very rigid. They are very old school most of the time. Uh, most of those uh, planning systems are developed back in the early 2000s. So the interface are terribly, uh, terribly boring, uh, complex, very complex to use. You need months to really grasp the basic functionality of a planning tool available in the market today. And, uh, it's not very agile to, uh, to, to the reality of business. So you need the Excel to do your stuff on the side. And I've seen so many cases where people plan on Excel. Once the plan is done uh, as much as they can, as, as well as they can, they, be, they will upload to the planning tool just to, report the, the the final plan that has been uh, that's been decided upon so it becomes uh, uh, you know for us the, the the point is first to replace excel because this excel work is terribly uh, time consuming prone to massive amount of error and also limited to the this two dimension uh, view that you have on excel that's it's not very uh, deep you cannot just uh, plan the entire set of customers, products, uh, location properly in Excel, you have to, to make some, some simplification. So it's not very satisfying. And basically we're trying first and we're, we're quite clear on that. We're not competing against, uh, against the planning tool that, uh, that companies may have. We're just bringing up this Excel gap uh, or filling up this Excel gap that exists with much more um, uh, agile and, and modern kind of a, uh, interface and, and user experience. So competing okay. is, is not the, the, the point here. We want to make planning a, a cool thing to do and not just a, a very painful process which for, for which you need a PhD to actually uh, master properly. Do you have an idea of how big the market is in Asia for, you know, for such software or solution, specifically on, on supply chain planning? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good question. From a, a global level, uh, the market size is around $12 billion, but it's growing, it's growing 10, 15% per year. So it's, it's quite, uh, quite significant. Uh, domain today, uh, companies have moved from from BI type of focus to really planning now. So it's it's quite it's quite hot market. Uh, there are a limited number of competitors, uh, but in Asia, particularly, and most of the players really are are European or American. Uh, so there are not that many uh, Asian based solution in planning, uh, or uh, rather uh, limited. 
So from a, a market size standpoint, it's difficult to say. I don't have the figures, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a pool. We see it ourselves from, from the Asia Pacific region, a pool of a, a really a strong interest now of, you know, uh, companies that are, have been somehow left alone. Uh, I've seen uh, multinational companies that are quite well equipped in the West, but the Asian markets themselves end up to have, you know, this, this, limited version or just left alone with Excel. So Asia is less equipped than, than the West. And I think the market is, uh, is very, very potential. We see, we see the pool itself. I don't have the figures. Okay. All right. So in Asia, obviously, so you say that, you know, it's all, not all about competition, but you do have competition and uh, in the Asian market, we see companies of obviously SAP is very, very present. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Anaplan is also operating in Southeast Asia. Uh, you have companies like OMP, which more focus on the Northeast Asia market. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. would you consider to be uh, your main or key competitors, uh, especially in the Vietnam, Southeast Asia region here? Yeah. Um, competitor, uh, competitors, uh, the, the key players that are uh, trying to enter the market, it's, it's quite early, are, uh, we actually partner with, uh, with Kinaxis. Kinaxis is new in the, Kinexis, in the Asia yeah. Pacific uh, market. Uh, great potential, but a bit of a first uh, first step. Um, O9 is also uh, doing a bit of a, an entry to the market, more toward the Australian market more than, than uh, the pure Asian one, though. Um, SAP, uh, SAP is relatively uh, quiet. It's kind of an underground uh, piece of, of work, but I see companies leaving a bit away this all SAP type of uh, of uh, strategy, uh, so you see interest of bringing up modules that, that will be mm -hmm. plugged in on, uh, on SAP. But practically, uh, I, I see uh, I see more of a startup uh, startup uh, approach. Let's say explore. They're, they're mostly exploring the market and finding okay. their their pocket of uh, of growth, mostly in northern uh, Asia, I would say. Uh, those south, the south start to yeah start to. It, start to Julien, but if you take, if you take Vietnam as, as an example, I mean, Vietnam obviously has been, mm -hmm. you know, uh, getting a lot of attention, a lot of investment has been made in Vietnam. A lot, many manufacturing companies have, you know, moving out from China and reinvesting into new mm -hmm. facilities into Vietnam. So obviously there's a lot of manufacturing, there's a lot of planning needs in, in a market like Vietnam. Uh, you know, what kind of solution do, are those companies bringing their SAP rollout with them or are they, when they come and start to, you know, ramp up their operation and manufacturing in Vietnam, are they looking for new solutions or alternative to, to support their Vietnam activity? No, it's, it's very much a central, centralized decision uh, from what I've seen, so, particularly in the uh, electronic sector or, or very specific, uh, specialized sector. They set up a factory here, they come with their system, um, and there's no, there's no way, uh, they would actually find a local solution or solution that's maybe more adapted to their need, but actually coming from, uh, come from, coming from local. Uh, so it's most of this question of planning because it handles the, the sales part, the supply part, the cost, the finance is rather sensitive. So it's quite centralized type of decision. And the, 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 for the big companies, you need to head toward the, the headquarters, uh, to, uh, to kind of, uh, find a, a, an open door. It can be a bit of more of a, a, a 
pilot type of trial, uh, but most of the time this would be decided centrally. So as a result, would you sell to, do you sell, are you more focused on SMEs and, and mean market companies instead of MNCs? Yeah, most of the big guy target companies above a billion or two billion dollar revenue, so like the big, big guys, which left, which leaves behind a lot of big SMEs or, or, or large corporations of a, a few hundred millions that are typically very under, they just kind of set up a, a base ERP being SAP or Microsoft or something. They're just finalized or into the progress of, of setting up, uh, setting up an ERP. The next question is coming to what more advanced planning stuff. Um, but we are, we are at the beginning of the, Digital transition in, in Vietnam is true. So in the Philippines, so it's true in, in Southeast Asia. It's it's not that many companies are fully equipped with ERP, and without an ERP, it becomes a bit complicated to move to 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 planning proper planning. Okay. So we are early in the, in the maturity process. And obviously, for mean market, uh, you know, companies uh, is is one of the fastest growth market for software. Yeah. And IT solution, you know, as you say, you know, most of the big uh, software vendors are more focused on the, you know, large MNCs, the Fortune 500 type of companies. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of very large, you know, local companies. Obviously, in Vietnam, you have a lot, but all over Asia. And, and those companies are, are definitely uh, unequipped or, you know, still have a very low use of uh, of IT, you know, and, and supply chain tools in general. Yeah. So I think it's it's a very interesting, very exciting market. Exactly. We still have, you know, MNC kind of, of clients, but it took us years to close deals, uh, where a local business, even, even sizable could be, you know, a decision say, okay, we need it. We're going for it. Let's do it. And, and that kind of mindset is pretty much, yeah. uh, uh, difficult to find in headquarters of a of large corporation. Okay. So. You, you're managing, you're still managing CL and you have a number of clients. So how do, how do you actually push SimSale solution that you, are you trying to get those clients as, as, as consulting clients first and then offer them that IT layer with SimSale or, or are you going straight to clients and just pushing IT first and then maybe you could, you get some consulting business out of it. But how, what, how does your, what kind of approach do you have with those companies here? So yeah, it's a good good question. Actually, it's, it's for us, it's two two streams of business. The, the consulting part would actually create a, a study on uh, optimizing uh, inventory or a network of a particular market. Out of this, we use uh, on, on this kind of project, we use uh, SimCell to simulate different scenarios and offer an output. And out of this, most of the time now. Uh, clients are asking to have access to this tool themselves. So we, we transition to other, from a consulting work to a digital service. Um, that's the, the, you know, the, the natural kind of, of stream, though scalability is in question. So we're also pushing on the, uh, uh on the direct sales type of approach, the SaaS approach, we building up a, a pipeline of, uh, of leads. Uh, that we are approaching, presenting SimCell directly, explaining that we have an expertise also, but we're pushing SimCell first. So it's a bit of a dual thing. The, the future will be on, on the direct sales. Uh, SimCell is uh, 
business or corporate business uh, uh, tool. Uh, so he'll find his, uh, his, uh, his, his adventure, his, his, his story by itself. But for now, synergizing both uh, consulting and, and digital to kind of uh, you know, offer continuity to our clients. Most of the, most of the time. So as, you, as you're pushing your, your IT solutions with SimCell, what kind of revenue model do you have? Is Are you selling subscription or uh, how does that work? Do you, do you take uh, also a cut on certain uh, transactions? Can you, can you share with us a little bit here? Yeah, pricing has been a big uh, big. Uh, Part of the, of the thinking uh, of the last few years. Uh, basically, we are on a SaaS basis, so it's a subscription-based uh, model. Because um, that amount per, per month, depending on number of users, number of uh, factories, number of customers, number of transactions, so that bit of a, a pricing model. Uh, we don't kind of we, we're trying to, to simplify the, the pricing of things. So very quickly, if I, if you explore the market, you'll see that it's very difficult to get a pricing for such tool. We are quite straightforward and end up to be, you know, ranging the, the, the price to be quite straightforward to fix without too much fancy options that you could, you know, kill your budget with. So, um, practically, yeah, SaaS basis, we have a bit of an implementation time, which we uh, often charge uh, on a project basis. Uh, but yes, SaaS implementation and the support can come on, on top of it, but usually uh, clients are independent. You mentioned earlier, you know, of, of the partnership that you will have to have, you know, with companies like Inexis or O9 and, uh, and s- s- what is your take on that? I mean, you know, we, we, we talk quite a bit about this at our chain tech uh, discussion, as you know, and, and we, we, I'm from my side, I feel that there's still a lot of missed opportunities between the startups on this, you know, obviously there are a lot of startups in this market across Asia who could be working together, you know, promoting and doing a lot of marketing together and engaging with a number of clients, you know, selling complementary solutions. Uh, you know, do you think that this is an opportunity that, you know, that you want to grow and what kind of partners or what kind of companies will you be interested to, to, to work with in, in the region? Yeah. Um, for for us, obviously, you know, plan business planning is requires a bit of expertise. It's true in in every part of supply chain, but here you you got you know demand demand management, which involves uh, sales and marketing stuff, promotion. Uh, it's not just about warehouse and trucks and factories. So you got a, a, a an expertise on the demand side, an expertise on the supply side, and it's it's uh, uh, you know difficult to find. Uh, Partners who have uh, uh, this breadth of of, um, of expertise. So the idea to, for us is to work with uh, two two type of companies, consulting firms, which are kind of uh, either on, on demand or supply or both, and uh, universities. And that's a bit of a longer term thing. But simulation is also cool to to you know learn and test out things without breaking things. Uh, so we're also exploring the idea of bringing up simulation, business cases in SimCell, uh, into universities for, um, for students to test real, real life data, real life type of, uh, of situations, experiment, uh, what is a, what is a, a safety stock? What is an in, the impact of a, of a transport price hike uh, in your supply? All these kind of, of, um, of, of learnings is actually quite rich and, and missing in most of the, 
uh, universities. So we we also take, taking this angle on the longer term influence that we take through uh, through, through education. Um, in the in the tech partnership side, let's say um, it's difficult for at least from my experience to connect or to synergize with, um, with the supply chain tech sector as a broad stuff. Most of the, the tech solution or startup solution I see in the market are operational, are um, logistics related. Uh, it's about filling a, a truck. It's about uh, monitoring your your deliveries. It's about, you know, operational solutions, which are cool. But I'm, I'm finding difficulty to connect uh, pure operations, like low-level transactional stuff, and more business decision-level uh, aspects. Um, so I'm still exploring this idea of, of, part, of tech partnership in, in, in supply chain tech. I still haven't found the, the right... The right angle. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, the right angle for now. <laughs> for okay. For ideas, <laughs> obviously, we'll, we'll be happy to help with uh, what we do at Gentech. Uh, but let's go back to um, to so SimCell and maybe uh, CL in general. Can you maybe t- tell us about your team? How many employees do you have right now, and and also how many uh, engineers are you do you have currently helping you on SimCell? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we're uh, thirty-five um, at CL. Half of it is. Uh, uh, Technician, technical people, uh, technical being uh, developers, uh, front end, back end, the, uh, the, the software developers, and uh, the other side is data, and we have data engineers, data scientists uh, that are taking care of the, the handling these these uh, terabytes of data we are simulating every time. So it's quite heavy in in, in computing power, in, in infrastructure, in server infrastructure, SaaS, the SaaS. System is not uh, that trivial to put uh, to put online, accessible anywhere, fast and so on. So we have a quite a, a heavy duty team of uh, 10, 15 uh, engineers, um, and we're you know recruiting uh, still. We're trying to raise. We're raising funds also in parallel. We're recruiting, trying to find talent. It used to be quite tricky to find uh, to find developers. Uh, couple of years ago during COVID, it was awful. Now we start to see uh, developers on the market that are, that are a bit more reasonable, let's say. So we're also expanding this, this team because the ambition is going beyond simulation. I'll explain that later if you, if you wish, into uh, autonomous supply chain. Uh, and that would require some R&D work, uh, which would involve you know, training AI to take business decision uh, by themselves. Uh, so that's that's a forward-looking thing, but we need both data scientists and engineers and, and developers. But we also have our you know supply chain experts, which are you know, supply chain consultants or engineers that are more on the domain side. And this dual expertise is very much fundamental to to what we do. If we become a software house just with technical people, then we are most uh, mostly competing with the other software companies. We need to keep this domain and technical uh, dual value that we bring in <clears throat> and not just shift on one or the other. Yeah, Vietnam has been, you know, again, a hotspot for software development uh, and IT mm-hmm. in the last few years. Obviously, the market is probably quite competitive in, in getting talents. Uh, has, has the pandemic changed anything? Do you, 
do you now look out uh, and hire talents outside of Vietnam and work with them remotely, for example? Yeah, it's been quite a, a painful experience. COVID really pushed the, the, the software developer needs in globally. So there's a lot of uh, Vietnamese developers that came out in the in the global market to to support uh, freelancing uh, you know, companies in Australia and Europe. So they, they, there's a lot of pull from outside, which brought the price, the, the, the salary of developers to the roof. Uh, sometime to the level where I say that's, that's more expensive that a, a developer, a similar developer would find in Europe. So it came out to be not very competitive for some time. After on, on this 2022 uh, and lately, we see the, the market being a bit more reasonable, uh, companies laying off uh, typically and, and the, the developers are more easy to find, are more also reasonable, more stable. So uh, we, yeah, we came out of this hot okay. uh, season, which was a bit tricky to handle on our side. A quick question on, about the, um, the landscape of supply chain uh, startups in Vietnam. Uh, there are obviously quite a number of companies who have raised uh, funding. Some of them are, like you say, more focused on, actually most of them are more focused on optimization and, and supply chain execution tools and, uh, you know, e-commerce logistics and so on. Do you actually uh, know them? Do you interact with them? Do you, do you get together and, 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 and exchange, uh, you know, experience and, and um, best practice? We we have a bit of an informal catch up under uh, more under the, the I'm, I'm also leading a French French Tech Vietnam, which is a, a French French related um, development program for tech, technology company in the world, um, and practically in the supply chain tech, there are a handful of serious um, startups uh, in Vietnam. There are plenty of other things, but we, we know what uh, what startups are. There's a lot of things that will fail, definitely, and there are a few gems that are quite interesting. They remain quite operational. But they're very much uh, successful. It can be uh, an example of a uh, of a warehouse uh, open market where instead of going door to door, you would have a platform where all the warehouse space is, is made. Wearflex. You can book your Wearflex, exactly. This is cool kind of idea. Works very well in Vietnam. There are more traditional TMS, WMS systems that are also locally being, being well developed. Uh, so it's, it's, it's promising, but there are not that many, uh, you know, successful or, or potential startup in, in, in supply chain. Knowing that this is a domain that doesn't lie, you, you can, Sorry, you can bullshit your way out in the, in the marketing space. In supply chain, is at some point the reality uh, catches you catches you up and and yeah, and, yeah. yeah see what I mean. Okay. So it's it's not that uh, it's it's not that easy to find good startups in this domain, in my experience. So beyond Wearflex, uh, which obviously have you know foreign founders, but do you actually meet the Vietnamese founders running supply chain logistic? Have you have you yeah, met yes, them? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A few WMS, there are there are few uh, few startups that are purely uh, local, uh, where where you know founders are, are very keen to exchange, are very keen to share also. Uh, Opportunities. Okay. It's not very structured. There's no you know, process where we could we could do better there, but it's it's limited to a few 
number of people. So is it worth setting up a whole infrastructure to, or it's more of a relationship basis type of. Okay. All right. So you've been running this business with CL and LC himself for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, as an entrepreneur, I know how difficult it is to, to sustain the, you know, the passion and, and the energy uh, over the years. Uh, so what, what keep you excited, you know, and highly motivated to run your business? And, and what would be, you know, today your biggest challenge as a, as a CEO or a, or a founder of a company? Okay. So, uh, what keeps me up, uh, the vision, I think if it took me some time to formalize what I'm, I'm heading to. And I think that's been uh, a bit clearer over, I mean, I think COVID helped also to reflect and, and I turned 40 in this period. So I also have this, this period of reflection, but the, the overall idea was to say, well, well, where, where am I going? And that's a big question for an entrepreneur. You can you know, enjoy your, your work as an entrepreneur. You can make some decent money. But the point is, the question comes up, what's next? Or what, why is that? Um, and it took me some time to formulate the idea for me is to go, to contribute to this idea of autonomous supply chain. This supply chain that will just drive itself. Uh, like, uh, like uh, an autonomous, uh, autonomous car. You're watching out, you know where you're going, you tell your supply chain where you want to go and the supply chain takes you there. Deciding, taking those trade-off decisions in, internally, this is where I'm going. So what I'm, what keeps me up on a daily basis is to make this digital transformation for companies to experiment a different, uh, different algorithm, to test uh, the, the responsiveness of clients to, to new, uh, new tech, new approach and to get progressively to this autonomous supply chain that uh, I think would be the future of supply chains. Um, so, yeah, um, that, that keeps a quite a deep drive to, uh, to waking up in the morning and, and try to make things happen. And that would be uh, my, my, my first driver. Second is definitely the fact that, that the people I have are, are learning and they are really enjoying a lot because you, you really, we really talk about supply chain and we really understand the the systemic thing, the systemic importance of supply chain in, in the global economy. So there's a, a connection to reality and a, a connection to the bigger picture that is quite, uh, quite powerful. So this is probably where I find my, uh, my energy. Biggest challenge, um, for now, for now, it would be, uh, talent. visibility on what's coming. Talent. Yeah. That's a classic, uh, but yeah. I have found a nice, uh, uh, a nice approach, and I think I'm, I'm quite okay with this now. What I'm, I'm, I'm struggling is, you know, finding out whether companies will actually walk the talk in their idea of digitalization. There's been a lot of blah blah on digitalization for a couple of years. After we got this Zoom stuff, we got this, this online setup, but have, uh, companies really invested in. In, in data, uh, in using their data better? Uh, yes and no. And I think there's a bit of a wait and see type of uh, situation now, which is economic, global economy is not, not exciting. So, um, I'm, I'm a bit frustrated with this wait and see situation, which we, we didn't really expect after COVID, we expected the rebound and so on. But this kind of intermediate middle ground stuff is, uh, is painful to, 
to to plan upon to to foresee what's yeah. coming, to foresee who you need to hire, what contract you can expect to be signed this this year, next year. And that's that's an, an easy one. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, you know the market, I and mean, I think a lot of. Uh, technology vendors are feeling it, uh, and, and we've seen, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of decision being delayed and the life cycle is getting long and, and software company, uh, you know, many of them are, are still, you know, kind of struggling with the same issue right now, uh, in Asia. So exactly. what would be your final advice to, you know, to anybody who want to start a business? I mean, you, you've been an entrepreneur for a number of years, you know, um, you know, the Vietnamese market very well, but you have a good idea of, what are the challenges ahead? What would be your advice to someone who want to get into and start a new business and, and, you know, ultimately? Uh, the uh, general picture is, is, would be for me, it's been a, a game changer of, of formalizing my personal vision of what I want to contribute professionally on the long run. That has really been a, a game changer, as you said, a, a reason to keep up, a reason to take big slap in my face for, you know, uh, and, and keep, keep going. Um, without that, you end up to be bored. You end up to do, uh, you know, stuff that, that don't necessarily, that don't necessarily please you or you don't find the point. So the, the, the why question is, is, you know, that's a simple question, but that if you formalize that, uh, it, it keeps you keeps you running. After it, you know, depends the, the amount of will you have. Uh, other things, maybe more Asian related. Uh, patience, patience. Go beyond the hype. There's a lot of hype about AI, about digitalization, yeah. about uh, tech. Uh, well, the reality is much slower than that kind of, of claims that we see all of it. So I would. You know, be also cautious on, on, don't over expect the market to, to like your product from day one. There's a lot of, um, resistance to change in supply chain. It's not a very innovative sector. When it works, you don't tend to say it works. I don't want to touch it. So it's not that easy to, to get into this, uh, this part of the business. Uh, mm-hmm. once you get it, you can demonstrate that you add value and then you can build up. But, you know, it's not an industry that uh, that makes it uh, that easy to um, to come in. And uh, is is industry. is Vietnam? Yeah, Julien, is Vietnam still a good market to start a business today? I mean, obviously, a lot of things have changed the past few years. Lots of inflation, a lot of uh, investment pouring. You know, competition on talent. You know, it's uh, cities expensive to to live in. Uh, do, do do you still think that in 2023 Vietnam is the right place to start a business? If your market is Vietnam, that would be a good, uh, a good place to, <laughs> to start. If your market is a bit more regional, you, you would, you would probably want to, to, to have a, a position that make, makes you more, um, you know, balance on, on the opportunity in Indonesia. It's a great market in Philippines and so on. So practically Vietnam as a market is still probably the most exciting one. Uh, there are, a huge consumption base now that is still growing and the future of consumption of domestic consumption is, is definitely uh, there. Uh, the, the export market is, is also there. Uh, so 
generating uh, Chinese uh, Chinese divestment or transfer at least. So this is this is a place a place to be if you want to be in supply chain, uh, whether it's serving domestic or export market. That's a, a great place to uh, to start. Um, it's not an easy one, but it's uh, probably a, a, a place where you can iterate faster than elsewhere. Um, people are, are very productive. You find talents rather quickly. Uh, you can build very, uh, very iterative type of uh, approach to, to entrepreneurship and not just expect the, the market to tell, to, to give you all, all your, all uh, upon your expectations. So you need to, to iterate. It's a place where you iterate. And uh, to my experience, it's much easier to do uh, that in Vietnam than it is to do it in, in other markets in, in Southeast Asia. Okay. All right. Let's, let's finish up with some quick, uh, questions for you, uh, as we always do in our, in our interviews. Uh, cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. Window or aisle? Uh, aisle. Aisle. Any movie that you've seen recently that you're really excited about? Oh, good question. Not much time for movies. I would, uh, <laughs> would mention, uh, good question. The most or a show uh, or documentary or anything you've seen. Yeah, I've, I've seen, uh, really recommend it. Uh, if you have kids, a 4K, uh, program on animals. I think it's a BBC program. It's amazing. It's probably the most beautiful, um, you know, documentary I've seen just, just visually impressive. BBC world, uh, planet stuff. You'll find it. Okay. Amazing. What's your favorite lunch? Lunch, you say? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite lunch you're having? Uh, pretty I'm much. going vegetarian for lunch. Uh, oh, you're going vegetarian. Lunch. Okay. I'm not fully good. vegetarian, but going into vegetarian lunch is quite, quite cool. Okay. What's your most used app on your phone right now? It would be, uh, it would be, uh, between YouTube and, and notes. So I'm into, uh, <laughs> okay. That's interesting. What's your favorite tool to be your company? Is it Slack or, you know, do you have any other tool that you always have on your, uh, open on your laptop? I'm a very tooly guy, so Slack is definitely a game changer. It's been you know, a couple of years we're fully into that. It's it's really nice to keep people together. I have plenty of people are remote also, so that's the bound of the companies. I would mention Slack as a as the main one and a good VPN because we are in in places where sometimes you want to uh, to uh, to hide what where 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 you are and what you're looking. At. Okay. Where would be the rest of your life in, in, in just a few words? Where do you see yourself, you know, when you get much older? I know you're an entrepreneur, so you might be working quite late, but, you know, when you are 80, you know, plus, or, you know, what, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Well, I, I won't wait uh, 80 to retire, so that's for sure. I'm, I'm counting <laughs> the years, right? So it's still a bit, um, I'm trying to, I'm giving myself, Five ten years max. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be playing music in the in a very natural environment uh, with friends uh, by a lake, 
uh, it could be anywhere. Uh, it needs to be a bit hot. So maybe in Southeast Asia, maybe somewhere else. But uh, yeah, music, Close. friends, nature. Excellent. Thank you very much, Julien, uh, for again uh, being with us today. That was a great interview. Covered a lot of ground, lots of different questions. I think, I hope that it was useful uh, for the audience uh, who is listening to us. So thanks again for your time, Julien. Thank you, Max. Pleasure. It was, uh, it was, you know, thank you for inviting and all the best. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to this new Chantec episode. This was our, you know, again, our Chantec show, uh, inviting Julien Brun, who is the founder of uh, SimCell and also the CEO of CL based in Vietnam. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.